0: Welcome to Building Besser, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes with our Quantum Spin Studios team, where we talk about building a franchise IP from scratch. I'm Victory Palmisano. I'm
1: Ann Halk.
2: I'm Michael Cohen.
0: Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Doing good. We're all in black today, unplanned.
2: I mean, I'm changing it up with a deep charcoal gray.
0: Oh, I guess you are wearing charcoal gray.
2: Very dark, very dark gray. but there I think there's technically some not black material in that gray.
0: Love the color specificity. I'm a bit speckled charcoal black.
1: Technically, it's a almost
0: blue kind of black. Well, we're not matching at all. <laughs> I mean, it looks like we are on screen. It does. How's your week, been? Anne?
1: It's been good. It's been busy. Mm-hmm. Going watching some new stuff went to an acrobatics class with a friend of mine so that was fun to try something new
0: what moves did you learn well i don't know the names oh well can you describe them i don't know how to do this like
1: you ran you tumbled. yes lots lots of tumbling and inverting and being very sore i don't think i have felt my lats like this in a couple years (laughs) it has been a recovery process
0: are you quite flexible is that why you were invited to the class
1: i'm i'm very bendy it's mostly it's because winter is coming
2: you are just dropping media quotes i think accidentally left and right i'm very bendy phoebe from friends and then winter is coming game of thrones it's just two for two
1: i've never seen friends That's where that came from. Okay. But yeah, winter is coming. So we're trying to find fun activities now that we can do once it's snowy and desolate outside so that once, once everything's here, we've already like gone through and figured out what we want to do.
2: Victor and I have likewise been trying to figure out how to get in all our activities before the snows fall in Southern California.
0: Mm, Yes. Which actually happened last year. So it does happen.
2: It does happen.
0: I am holding out hope it can happen again. Yeah,
2: yeah. You could hike up and see snow uh, on the ground.
0: So, are you? Is this like your new thing,
1: Anne? You're going to go? This is going to be my whole thing now. No, it's it's probably not. But it is fun. <laughs> I do like it.
0: <laughs> well, we were talking earlier before we started recording about how Tanner's learning juggling. Mike, why? I've suddenly gone blank on what you were learning.
2: I haven't been learning anything. I
0: oh, magic. You've, you know magic what am i talking about
2: i was saying all i've done this week is just run community events this will be i will i will do nine hosted games or community events this week so yeah killing it
1: I was say but you do know magic which led to our circus act thing
2: i know 24 karat magic specifically
0: 24 carat magic
2: that's, that's a Thank you, Anne. It's a It's a reference. 24-karat magic in the air
1: L- tonight.
2: L- it, Bruno Mars? No?
1: I see
0: no recognition.
2: That must be during baby era.
0: <laughs> I'm out of it, guys. I'm out of it. I actually live under a rock now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Literal rock called Bebe. Bebe rock.
0: Yes, called Baby. <laughs> Yeah, so Tanner's going to be the juggler, Mike is doing magic, Anne is doing acrobat acrobatics, and I am the...
2: Ringmaster.
1: Ringleader in a fabulous coat.
2: <laughs> I wonder if, Did we just... Is that copyright violation humming music? I don't know. Somebody, Can't Somebody be. tell legal.
1: Okay, then it gets into how accurately did you hum it?
2: Ah, well, then we're good. <laughs> We're good. If that's the case, we are a-okay. I am not what one would call an accurate hummer.
0: Watching anything interesting this week? Listening? Reading? Yeah, usually.
1: I did get a Steam Deck off of Facebook Marketplace. Nice. Which means we now have two devices in the house in which we can play games on. So now it's Baldur's Gate co-op party time. That
0: is exciting news. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but before it's been one of us sitting there just patiently waiting for the other one to finish playing and then taking the laptop and running away. So now now it's we both get to do it and it is a lot of fun. That's super fun. Yeah, what about
0: you two? Mike mentioned something that I don't think made it into the last couple of episodes. I can't remember the last one or the one before about how he loves courtroom stories. True. Oh, it was in there, I think. Was it? And it reminded me that I had started watching that show Jury Duty months ago, and I just needed something quick and light. I was reading a lot of news and getting really sad. So I turned on Jury Duty, and I don't know if you all have seen it or if you know the the premise. You've seen mm-hmm. it. and Yeah. Do you like it? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. I had a uh, fun and time I- with it. I... I, honestly, I was just like, why did I not finish this? It is really, really funny. And it made me LOL several times.
1: The I thought it was super funny too. The one thing, I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews they did after the fact for him. Of apparently, like, his adjustment back into regular life was pretty intense.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I've been keeping myself from Googling because I'm sure I, I'm... I assumed there was a lot of interviews and how, like, is this social experiment okay? I don't know. I
1: I don't know where I fall on
0: it. I don't know where I fall on it either because this guy is so sincere. What a lovely person. And his reality was completely Truman showed for, Mm. I don't know. I don't know actually how long it is because I'm only on, I'm on like day 12 right now. But yeah. I don't know how I feel about it, but it's is—it's masterful.
1: I mean, they're they're all friends now, apparently. But after you finish it, I would definitely watch some of the interviews because it's fascinating. It's got to be a psycho trip. Mike, do you know the premise?
0: I've never heard of it. He's like, and do I care? (laughs) And share. Share the premise. Sure.
1: So the entire premise of the show is this person named Ron is called in for jury duty. Except for the trial is not real. All of the other people involved are actors. They even have to take out a few actors because he mentions on the side, like, having watched certain shows. And so they're like, oh, no, we got to get this person out of here. Heath goes the entire time thinking this is a real trial and he is on jury duty, sequestered with people, including James Marston, the actor, who is like, I'm James Marston, the actor. And then at the end, they reveal like, oh, hey, none of this was real and it's done it's done in a very surprisingly wholesome and sincere way but you can imagine like going through that would be absolutely mind-boggling yeah it would make you yeah i don't know if i can be
0: okay with it even though it was so well done
2: how did they get his consent to participate
0: these are all my questions that I'm saving until I get to the end. Do you know this, Ann?
1: They they do go into a lot of it in the interviews and stuff afterwards. Okay. But yeah, they apparently did not expect him to be as nice of a person as he was. I mean,
0: we were talking genuinely sincere, good person. The scenarios he found himself in and how he graciously navigates them are just like...
2: Uh, the premise, I, I I find it troubling.
0: It is. It is troubling. But there, it's it's like he participated. I'm sure they beat it out all the scenes, and everybody had rehearsed. And you know, again, this is stuff I want to research when it's done. But it's like carrying on live improv theater for days and days and days and days, which is very fascinating. Anyway, and it happened.
1: It happened near you too.
0: Yeah, it did. Huntington Beach courthouse or something like that. Anywho. We'll discuss more once I finish it.
2: The, the, premises sound, the, premises, the premise sounds troubling to me. So I would need to know. I would need to figure out how it was produced before I could think about watching it. Yeah. Like, you know, like hidden camera shows. They do something to a person and then they ask for the consent post-filming
1: and, like, they, I believe the premise they sold him on was they were filming a documentary.
0: Yeah, he knew he was being filmed the whole time. I see. But he did not know that it was all contrived.
1: Yeah, he didn't know that other people in there were plants.
0: Yes, yeah, so he agreed to cameras everywhere. Hmm. Anyway. Hmm. What are you watching?
2: People play Exile and Garden of Zooktu. That has been all my... Uh, watching this week and it has been really fun before we launched the community every game that we played was either the people building the game or people who are collaborating with us on projects or you know in other ways looking to be involved and i've been running games in the community for gamers <laughs> like people who play video games or play TTRPGs, and it has been wild how different it is in really fun ways. And then I think maybe my favorite game at all, we put of all, we played a game of Garden of Suktu for three people. Was it three? It was three people who've never played a TTRPG before. And it was so lovely watching them through this kind of card based mechanic, like, go from kind of like trepidation to, I don't know, neutrality to leaning in, like watching them move along that over the course of the game. And they came up with some of the most creative character voicings, and I don't mean voices, but I mean ways of of evocatively describing a character's action. And, And the solutions they found to problems were just really refreshing. So this mix of like really experienced gamers and then people who haven't played DTRBGs in our community has, has been two fascinating lenses to view the world with. And although, you know, it won't be forever that I run nearly 100% of the games in the community. <laughs> it is kind of fun right now w- while I am. Because I'm, I'm learning so much about how people will relate to the world of Eser by watching them actually do it. So huge thanks and shout out to everyone in our official community so far who has signed up for a game or uh, rolled a character or participated in our community events. Last night, we at Happy Hour, we played Among Us. I haven't played Among Us in a long time, and it was a blast. So that's what I've been reading, watching, playing. The World of Investor official community. Your
0: own game. <laughs> well, and
2: other games. We play other stuff in there too, but. We even got into a little bit of Destiny, too, last night in the the community. I don't know how that happened.
1: No, definitely no tell of the people in there and their interest of why that would have come about. Last week,
0: Anne invited listeners to ask questions about the look and the feel, the visual aesthetic of the world that Anne oversees so masterfully. And we got a lot of questions, so I feel like we should dive in and get started. These are all questions for you, Anne. Of course, Mike, you are welcome to weigh in. Matt. I've
2: seen the questions. I know the answer <laughs> to none of these questions.
0: Yeah, these are Anne-specific.
2: I'm in the audience today.
0: Cool. Are you ready, Anne? I am as ready as I'll ever be. Okay. So Eric asks, what does the architecture of Hesh and Exile look like? Materials, structures, etc."
1: Okay, so I think to dive into exile first, because as we kind of went through last week, the Age of Ascension happened and fell during the Age of Consequence, exile is one of the places that fell into ruin. And so partially you have this area that is very, like, ruinous, starting to be reclaimed by the environment around it. But then on top of that, you have new construction. And a lot of what we looked at for the construction of architecture in exile is a combination of things you find people doing and animals doing as well. So we took a lot from like some of the Gaudi work in Spain. Actually, a lot, a lot of Spanish architecture, Cameroonian architecture, and things like that went into how we think the people of the Vahishath are actually building things. But then also looking at things like bowerbirds, how different tunneling insects build their structures as well, and and things like that to make a cohesive feel for what exile looks like. And a, a lot of that actually plays in pretty well with some of the more creative abstract forms of architecture we see on Earth. There's a lot of repeat of ideas and things like that. But it, it's cool to see, especially once you start thinking of effects Towers and things like that in particular, how you, you take the idea of a termite making a termite hill, but then you add sapience and a lot of intellect behind that. So you end up with very careful construction. And then if you, if you had that on a large scale, how do humans respond to that? What did they learn from those processes that they replicate on their end? Or how are the Runja building their things? And now where the camera is focused is the modern era where all three have been pretty much assimilated together. So so finding a distinct architectural style for that was very interesting. The city of Hesh is a little bit different because Hesh never fell. And so that fits a lot more. Obviously, there's going to be inputs from all three species, but as opposed to being sort of a layer cake of different architectural eras, the city of Hesh fits more of like a sci-fi metropolis feel definitely leans more fantasy but is a city that never fell so it's got architecture and accomplishments in there that the people couldn't currently do it's got a lot of buildings from the age of ascension things that were constructed by the combination of emanation and sigil arcana that just can't be replicated so that's kind of something we're actually currently digging into more on the world building team is functionally how does that look as far, as far as like building materials go, the current places there are in river deltas. So you'd see the use of a lot of like clays and stuff like that. But also kind of in contrast to humans, where when we started developing tools, we went for stone, metal, things like that. Due to the presence of emanation, the people, the Vahishoth, actually went for glassworking first. It's a lot easier to find sand and superheat it than it is for them to do some of the things we traditionally did. So you'd see a lot of structures that are very heavy in glass and and stuff like that. So freaking cool, Anne.
2: The towers in Hesh are queened, and the towers in Exile are not. Ergo, the tower in Hesh is enormous when compared to the Tower of Augury in Exile.
1: And those are towers with queen torfex. Yeah.
2: Also, one thing that's very different about Baja Shef cities and our cities is the preponderance of canals and aqueducts and tiers in, in streets. So there, there's a lot more verticality to the structures of their lanes and alleys and, and streets and, and whatnot. And, and a lot of water because mm-hmm. Delta Runja specifically have to bathe and bask daily to be healthy. So lots and lots and lots of water.
1: And on that note, too, in actually both places, there's the incorporation of a lot of natural springs and basking areas within the city. So instead of having, you know, you've got places around here that have hot springs and bathhouses sort of as buildings, those are part of the natural construction of the city instead, due to the tiered sort of architecture of things. Like you would take a lift down into the spring area where the runja would be basking and enjoying their daily baths sounds so lovely
0: so our next question is from Amy if I were to look out of a window in the middle of the day would I see any animals running by does Vesser have the equivalent of squirrels chipmunks deer etc
1: or did they die out before this era ooh that's that's a good question absolutely yes you would see a lot of animals running around it's it's kind of... The same thing you would see in places like California or Florida or even like where I used to live in New Mexico, where a lot of the creatures you see when you look outside are little lizards or birds. Like, obviously, it's not an earth roadrunner you see going by, but it'd be kind of a similar thing. Or if you were to go out at night, you would see a lot of arthropods, scorpions, things like that. It's important to note that like mammals exist here, but due to their rarity, A lot of the creatures that are there have kind of taken up the ecological niche that they had. So there's going to be a wider variance of birds, lizards, arthropods, and things like that.
2: I think we've mentioned this before. The different continents ended up having different dominant evolutionary paths because of instead of global extinction events, they tend to have continental extinction events. And so mammals just aren't a big thing on nausea, where the Vahashath are. Also, we're 2,500 years into an intense climate change event, like super intense. So there was really significant despeciation between the age of ascendancy and the time of the Vahasha, and a lot of plants and animals have had to migrate. Now, 2,500 years in, things are a lot more stable than they would have been during the age of collapse. And maybe species are starting to find more durable niches niches again in, in the environment. But there there was significant, probably for the first time on investor history, despeciation after the uh, Age of Consequence began. The, the huge swath of the southern part of the continent is now just like scorching desert, and it did not used to be. Mm hmm. And I just got to say we didn't decide what the topography should look like for story reasons. We created a planet, ran climate models on it, then changed the terrain as appropriate for what happened before the age of consequence, and then remodeled it again. And what came out of the models is is what biomes are in the world. So
1: Yeah, for for like road construction stuff, we're looking at climate models of where like cities and transit and things like that would have been to determine that rather than just saying we like a city right here
0: that is one of the things that makes this world so unique compared to others
2: i can't wait probably years from now when i can show people some of the world maps It'd be really fun
0: absolutely okay so terry asks what is the Vahasheths people of hesh slash what is their relationship to art are there paintings, drawing, music plays or other types of art?
1: I am very excited to get into this one. Thank you very much, Terry. The the people of Haishaut absolutely engage in art. This is this is something that we've had a lot of fun going into and I've had a lot of fun just like thinking about as well because naturally you have you know, more practical forms of art. You have weaving, you have things like that that form clothing. But then art as a, like, aesthetic expression and a leisure activity are, are things that we think any any society has. And so going through how this would be expressed in not just a human world has, has been a lot of fun to dig into. The modern cities that we have left, so Hessian Exile, are predominantly in river delta regions, which means that a lot of the art forms they use mimic things that you would see sort of in those areas. You do have some forms of traditional art that are considered to be more human, things that require, you know, dexterity of five fingers, that sort of stuff. That would be like your painting, probably tattooing, certain forms of sculpture, and things like that. And then there's some that the runja are definitely the masters of, like relief carving or any sort of reductive sculpting and also auditory-based like sensory art. One thing to add here too is that the, the Vaheshath is a very colorful culture as a whole. Like they engage in a lot of dyeing and pigmentation. And with the runja and Torafex both being able to see a wider array of colors than humans can, the, the range that this encapsulates is much, much wider than what we have on Earth. So you've got runja who are engaging in uh, the application of like powdered dyes to feathers and things like that to adorn themselves. You've got humans who are obviously doing tattoos, piercings, all all sorts of behaviors that you see on Earth as people use aesthetic expression. And for the most part, a lot of human art is very bird-like and bird-emulating. So you'd see that in a lot of their jewelry and things like that, imitating, like, the crest of Arunja. And it, you'd even see the Hamathi, the social tour effects, engaging in some carapace painting. They obviously wouldn't go for piercing or tattoos or anything like that, but they they would do carapace painting and things like that to blend in to the Vahashath society. If we sort of take a tangent over to like the field of music. That's something that I know Alex and I have had a lot of fun thinking about because as mentioned before, the Vaisoth use glass predominantly. So a lot of their instruments are made of glass as opposed to wood or metal or even bone. You would have a lot of glass-based instruments that would affect the sound of things. And a, a lot of like mimicking of bird sounds and sort of the percussive elements of, like, torfx movements in their music. We've also kind of talked about how, in Exile in particular, you would have some of this in Hesh due to the use of Sigil Arcana, but in Exile in particular, emanation is used to enhance musical and artistic performances. So where you'd have, you know, like a heavy bass at a concert or something like that, that would be boosted by an emergent person in the back creating a controlled seismic interaction for people. Or light shows, olfactory displays, things like that that create a very immersive experience. And like in, in small venues, you can imagine manufactured illusions and daydreams courtesy of your resident helms. Like There's a lot they can do for artistic expression that we can't engage in on Earth. And, and so we've been kind of digging into and exploring, like, how would that be applied and where would things sort of move from there? That is too fun. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun to go into. Because, I mean, artistic expression is something that just comes out of sapience. And is a very important thing, and especially for a society that's experiencing so much turmoil, like upholding those bits of, for lack of a better term, humanity, even though it's not just humans, is so, so important. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, one thing is with the runja's focus on the progression of time and the preservation of time, a lot of that does also display itself into artistic endeavors.
0: Well, I actually think this is a perfect segue to ask one more question, which I think we have time Ooh. for. Amy asked a question earlier, so this is a sort of follow-up to that. How do people of Vessar view said animals from Amy's question? Is it like us with other primates for Runja to birds?
1: Ooh. I mean, the the way the inhabitants of the of the world view animals would be very similar to the vast array of responses you see. People have. The Runja, by merit of kind of being further divorced from birds per se, I know that's the word we use to describe them a lot, but it's just because it's the easiest analog, wouldn't really get that same level of kinship that we get with primates or any sort of cute, fuzzy little mammal that we kind of take in and we're like, oh yeah, like we personify this. We kind of humanize them a little bit. They wouldn't really do that. However, the presence of pets and, you know, emotional companion animals is 100% something they would do. It's just much more likely to be a bird or a lizard. That's that's the more common thing you would see. They just wouldn't have that same level of like, oh, that's a little person that some sometimes we sort of start to see in our society a little bit. Uh, you also see a lot of livestock species. The Taurifex in particular keep bees, arthropods, a lot of those as livestock. And and there would be examples of that outside of the torifex as well. You would see fish hatcheries, probably honestly pet fish too.
2: They're kind of analog to uh, working horses and our giant beetles, for example, the Vahashoth. Yeah. Just enormous beetles.
1: So you'd see working beetles, working lizards, larger birds, things like that. Essentially, as, as we kind of mentioned before, just the ecological niche that mammals fill just just kind of replace that with the other things out there. There'd be a lot of like crabs, carcinization, things like that that you would see. And uh, then obviously, as we've sort of delved into what the wilderness of Alataic looks like and the city of exile, you would have your wild animals. It's it's not too much to sort of assume that the reaction of the people would probably be a lot more favorable towards spiders and stuff than you see on Earth by merit of them being just around more. You probably wouldn't see as much of, like, a fear of spiders, but they they would definitely have, you know, a similar level of interest or interaction with animals.
2: And Torfex don't have pets. They just... Torifex think of everything as colony or not colony, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of non torifex species that are part of the colony, and just have their role to fill in the colony, just like every Torfax.
0: Mm-hmm. What wonderful answers to wonderful questions! That does it for today.
1: Yeah those those were all really good questions. I enjoyed those a lot. Thanks for sending them in, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.